0: and we're just going to record right through though and we'll just cool let's this, go we'll just make this the beginning of part two <laughs> yeah let's take a water break real quick um water
1: break with Reddit rock
0: yeah all right let's get into all right mark let's get into welcome to uh part two guys um second week in a row you're basically hearing from me and mark great stuff um just too much to say for one podcast sorry about that guys but He's worthy of it. One of the first ever two-parter.
2: Hey, uh, let's go.
0: Yeah. So um, we're going to get more into the bodybuilding stuff, uh, cool. into the stuff that Mark truly, truly loves to talk about. Um, I think on Iron Intellects, this is how we started. This is where I came up with a lot of these subjects is basically. Oh, Cool. From your competitive stuff that you put on Ireland Intellects, um, your routine, how you train and stuff like that. And I think that's where we're going to start with how you train. Cool. Um, West pause sets. Uh, and basically, you get the go ahead on this one. I'm going to let you just speak about it, cool. uh, go into benefits and drawbacks to the type of training you do, um, rest days. You can go into all that real yeah. quick and I'll kind cool. of intervene if I have a question about it.
1: Sweet man. Well, first off, rep till you die is the name of the game here. Like, there's a lot of discrepancy between science and anecdote in the way I train. You know, we have a lot of conflicting studies that show that trading to failure is not optimal. Okay. Well, let's kind of start breaking down some of these studies that say that. Okay. What is the population we're looking at? Okay. Is it gen pop or is it advanced athletes or elite athletes? And it's always going to be gen population. You know what I mean? Like the general population just can't train to failure. They're not sleeping properly. They're not eating properly. They're not even training properly. Like the lifestyle factors are so out of whack in terms of, you know, health markers and biofeedback. Like, so why are we doing studies with these people? Here's what we need to do. We should be training. We should be studying elite athletes. Okay. Well, that's hard to do because... It's like, it's like, okay, let's do 10,000. Let's get 10,000 participants of elite basketball players. Okay. Well, how many elite basketball (laughs) players? There's LeBron James. (laughs) So like, where where are you going to go? Like, is there anybody on LeBron James level? No, of course not. We haven't seen a player like him since Jordan or Kobe. You know, you if you want to try to compare those three, which I think they're all three completely different players. I think LeBron's on a level of his own. Um, And I'm not even a basketball fan. You don't even watch professional sports, (laughs) but the problem is, is elite athletes are anomalies. They are not normal. They are not anything like the general population. So when we start applying studies and scientific studies to elite athletes, the it's a great basis. It's a great benchmark to start, but it never converts over into application. I shouldn't say never. It, it does at times. There are things that come out that are great to hear that we can see. But when it comes to my training, and, and actually the t-shirts we came out with rep till you die, is because I truly mean it. Like, I want to train to failure. I want to push my body to the absolute brink of <laughs> destruction in order to force adaptations. Like, the name of the game is forcing adaptations because your body has to adapt to stimulus. It, like we were talking about before this podcast, your body doesn't know weight. It only knows stimulus, and it knows how to adapt to it. Our bodies are incredibly adaptive, um, like just complete machines. It's incredible. So with my training, the whole base is just failure. Um, I'm a pretty low volume trainer. Um, It's kind of like a mix between... Dorian Yates's heavy duty training yeah. and a little bit of DC with the rest pauses, you know. <laughs> so it kind of has this. So the two weird,
0: evils. So two evils. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Like it, it doesn't get more brutal than that, you know. Um, I love training. Like I'll be the first to tell you, if I could train every day of the week, I would. Like I said, oh, yeah. I was ten. Like. When I get in the gym, I'm in the zone. I'm locked and loaded. Let's fucking empty the clip and let's get after it. Like every single day, that's how I am. Do I have my off days? Yeah, but let me tell you, man, I still get after my logbook. I'm still hitting PRs. So, you know, with my training, I train two days on, one day off. Um, So more frequent rest days. Um, I only do, for bigger body parts, I do three to four exercises. And for smaller body parts, two okay okay um so that's not a lot of volume like there's people out there doing four exercises per body part every single body part and it's just craziness um i don't count reps in terms of like i don't do like three sets of 10 i don't do like three sets of 15 or four sets of you know i don't do that what i do is i have for each exercise i have what's called warm-up reps and then i have working sets yep if you want to call them top sets or final sets or whatever you want to call them, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, so I do my warm up sets where I just slowly work up and weight. And I may do two warm up sets. I may do three warm up sets. It just depends on how heavy the weight is. Like I've been getting, again, not ego stroke care, but I've been getting extremely strong lately just because my weight keeps going up. And so I've had to do more warm-up sets in order to get to my working set. You know, I just yeah. can't go into hundred and sixty-pound dumbbell incline presses <laughs> after two warm-up <laughs> sets. Like, where am I gonna start? Am I gonna start 105s? You're not Nick 20?
0: Walker. You're not Nick Walker. Right.
1: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. He's dude, he's truly a mutant. Um, so what I do is like, you know, if incline dumbbell press is my very first exercise, I'll start with like sixty-fives or eighty-fives, okay. get a nice clean 12 in. Um, I'll go up to 105s, hit like six to eight. And then I'll go up to 125, I'll hit four. And then maybe, like, if I'm going either 145 or 160, I may do one more set for, like, two reps in there. But then I get to my top set, and it's game fucking on. Like, the yeah. new person, that person that I keep locked away inside of me, like I was talking about on the Grow or Die podcast, that person comes out to play. Like, that is the little Grim Reaper on the shirt that I developed. Like, this guy, he fucking wants it. Like, he, yeah. he's out for blood, and I'm going to get that blood. Like, so it it gets really intense really quickly. It's like a switch flips. I know it's the working set. It's game time. It's going to failure. I'm going to rep till I die. And training to failure is something that people misunderstand because training to failure is not training and getting your last rep. When you train to failure, you are going for a rep and you will fail mid rep. It's a little dangerous at times. So I have somebody I train with that spots me here and there. Uh, He helps me out quite a bit. Um, And he's been my training partner for a while now. And so people don't understand that. Like they'll post a a working set on Instagram and like went to failure today, but they completed the last rep. Like, no, that's, that's not failure. Like failure is where you try and you fail. That's like me going for one sixties and getting eight reps in on my last rep. It was really tough, but I got it. Like, no, it's like, I have to go for another rep, you know, and fail. So every time that I get done with an exercise, going through my warm-up reps, going through my working set, my working set is to failure. A lot of people wonder like, well, what's the rep scheme? Like how many reps should I do? I don't give a fuck. <laughs> reps, reps don't matter. There is no set range for hypertrophy. I don't come, I don't care what study comes out, dude. It can be between six and thirty reps. I don't care. Because what really matters comes back to an underlying point of failure to force adaptations. You know, yeah. creating the stimulus enough to force adaptations and failure is going to do that. Like t- to say, like, you know, three reps in reserve or two reps in reserve is going to force adaptations. I mean, it can, but not as quickly as failure can. You know what I mean? So, and again, I'm not talking about gen pop here. I'm not saying, like, hey, everyone should do this. We're talking about elite athletes, people that want to be IFBB pros, people that want to compete and win. Like that's who I'm talking to, you know? So, um, my training split is I do chest and shoulders together. um, And then I do back and rear delts together. Uh, I do arms on their separate day since I need to focus so much on arms because they are genetically lagging point, like I said, in part one. So I have to spend some extra time on them. Yeah. Um, And I have to be very careful about how I train those exercises. I have to be very slow with those and very controlled. Uh, and then the last day of the week is legs. So I kind of have those, like I said, that two day on one day off type deal going. Uh, and I just roll with that. I keep rolling with that. So it's like a five. It's like, whether it come down to you? like, uh, a six day split. So every six days I start over again, yeah. you know, so it's not even a full week, but you know, you train four to five days a week, basically. Yeah. You can't train more than that with this style of training your body just can't do it. You could force it, but there's going to be repercussions because your central nervous system isn't going to cooperate. Sleep's going to start getting disrupted. Digestion's going to start messing up. You won't absorb nutrients properly. There's things that start occurring. Joint integrity uh, kind of falters a little bit. Uh, there's just things that start occurring that you, where you absolutely need to take rest days, more rest days. And you know, I had a hard time taking rest days in the beginning uh, because it drive me nuts staying out of the gym. Dude, I would go absolutely nuts.
0: Um, oh, I'm doing that right now. Yep.
1: Dude, I right right now is prime time for people that are just they're going crazy. I have people calling me and texting me to get in my gym, offering me like $150 to come in my gym for a month. Like,
0: oh, I'm even just I'm talking just, about like even oh. if I had the gym, even on my rest oh. days, just even the oh, yeah, yeah. gym, I'm just like, I want to be in the gym yeah mean always hey jim i don't care i'll do legs get me in the gym <laughs>
1: yep yep and what i realized i had to change my perspective here i said like okay rest days equal grow days the yep. only time i'm going to grow is if i rest so those rest days dude i spend like today's my rest day i haven't moved much today dude i'll probably log on my app watch like two thousand steps <laughs> you know unless i do cardio if i go for a walk and take my dog for a walk today I may get another like three or 4,000 on top of that, but not much. It's, it's really just some downtime, some relaxation time. I work a little bit, um, you know, on rest days I always work, but, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's really important to take those rest days. And that's even for like high volume trainers to even more so. Cause you're just pumping that volume, you know, and you know, there was a documentary, well, there's been a couple of documentaries with Dorian Yates. He's like one of my, I I inspire. I'm inspired to be Dorian, like the next Dorian. I want to be the next Dorian so badly, <laughs> you know, because I just love the way he trains. I love the mystique of that surrounds him, um, his attitude on everything, you the have way the he's gym. evolved. Yeah, I do. I have the gym for it, man. But the way he's evolved, even as a person, uh, that just man, that's so cool yeah. to me. Um, so, but but you know, with my training, it's uh, it, it's it's unique. Because it's it never changes. By the way, Uh, I keep a logbook of all the exercises. I do the same exercises every single week in the same exact order. I haven't changed that for like a year and a half. The only time I change sizes is if I get injured. Like right now, I have a groin strain, so I haven't been able to squat. I haven't been able to leg press, so I had to kind of change the way I attack legs. Uh, Or I plateau on an exercise. If I plateau on an exercise for like a long period of time, let's say four or five weeks. I usually swap that exercise out because okay. truthfully, it, when we're looking at a logbook and you go to write in your log book each week, um, it, it, you just can't inevitably keep going up in weight. You know, what are you going to do? Bench press 1500 pounds at one point? Like, come on, you know, <laughs> there needs to be some other measurement of progressive stimulus. And I, I supplement progressive stimulus as progressive overload. I'm actually going to hit this on us an iron inflex of why I call it progressive stimulus rather than progressive overload with progressive stimulus man, we just have so many tools of measurement, uh, in, in our, in our tool bag, we can look at, yeah, more weight, but more weight. It's, that's very limited. You can't just keep going up in weight; Your joints can't handle it. Um, but we can do more reps, you know, so I count more reps as progress, uh, better range of motion, better engagement, uh, forcing going past failure with my rest pause sets. And so, or drop sets, either, or you can do either, or it doesn't matter. Um, so you know, that's, it, it, people get too bored with their workouts. They try to create too much fancy shit. They try to make it so complicated. Whereas like all you need to do is you need to find the exercises, like four, two, or, two or four exercises that you feel the most, that are the easiest to overload or easiest to stimulate over time and keep them. Don't change them don't go changing exercises because the moment you do that it becomes impossible to track progressive stimulus and like like you said my squat went up from 135 to what 255 right yeah yeah you're able to track that over a period of time therefore you can measure progress you know it, it, it's not linear of course never but no. at, at the same time like you can see there's the best best fit line that's a positive slope over time where you can track that yeah that's what a logbook allows us to do but in order to do that we have to repeat exercises for a long period of time so if you're getting bored in the gym, well, you're not progressively stimulating then because there's nothing boring about me doing 160 pounds on incline for, with dumbbells. There's nothing boring about that. You're not exhilarating that. <laughs> pounds or beating a previous personal best or personal record from last week. Like yesterday on leg days, I'm living on leg days what I can do, like I said, because my groin strength. But dude, yeah. I beat the shit out of my logbook yesterday. Every exercise yesterday was a PR.
2: know
1: so failure but I can actually push past failure um for me failure isn't enough sometimes like of course I can get one set in and give a little bit more sometimes so this is where the rest pause comes sets come in so you can't do with every single exercise but I do it with the majority of my exercises. So let's for say, for example, Preacher curl.
2: Entry and vice versa. I'll hit as many
1: as I can. Okay, I'll fail. Uh, when I, when I t- 10 reps, so that's 20 care. I'll set it down for 10 seconds. I'll count to 10 in my head. I'll pick it back up. I'll do it again as as many times as I can. And then once I fail again, I say.
2: Again.
1: Let me tell you, by the time that set's over, man, you don't (laughs) need to do more sets. You do not need more. And that's where people are like, I just feel like you could do more. I was like, then you did it wrong. Like you you worked out wrong.
0: Oh, yeah. I think the one... One thing I get is always like you're saying, less is less is always more. Yep. Um it definitely is if you utilize it the right way. And I think it's taken me, I think we had a conversation about this the other day. It took me till of course like the last session before the gyms closed. I broke every single logbook number that I had for my back day for my back for my pull day. By about 25 pounds. Excellent. I implemented yeah. I implemented like a new, like a new um, so using iron intellects, I talked about pre the pre workout and peri workout nutrition. And I just implemented literally just a serving of oats and a banana. Like I usually would just do a banana and an apple, but I did a banana and oats and then had my EAs in my in my workout, in my intro. Right. Literally barbell bent over bro 225 for eight um i did a kind of a mag pull neutral grip pull down for like 135 i think before that i think i hit 125 right. um i was just breaking things like it was nothing that's awesome but i wouldn't have about yeah. the logbook and i think the logbook right. is so important too um and I kind of preach it now, having a logbook, but it's also because I look at people like you, and I look at people like, like my also my favorite bodybuilder probably of all time is Dorian Yates, um, because he was such a just a freak of nature. Oh, Um, awesome! (laughs) And then also, like I was saying beforehand, I follow JP, I follow Jordan Peterson's website, and you look at Jordan Peterson. He's basically the epitome of what a logbook is supposed to be. He's breaking. Exactly. He's like three hundred pounds. He breaks a log. He breaks a number every single session. He's like squatting Smith's Smith squatting seven and a half plates over here. Yeah, he's, I'm he's like crazy. holy shit. Um, yep. And his videos are also very motivating. And I that's like the thing I've been following. Um, so I follow my coach's rule and I kind of do push pull leg. I. I agree with you. I think like we were saying, I think this is where I see my difference with my coach is like I don't mind doing push pull leg. I mind how much volume there is and that he tells me to go reps in reserve. Where right, I'm right. not that type of personality anymore with how I lift. Yeah, um, I had yep. I had Steve Hall on the show and Steve Hall love absolute those guys who do reps in reserve, I have a ton of respect for them. Him yeah. and my Gizartel and all those guys that are absolute crazy. Like Mike Isretel is still an absolute beast in the gym. If you look at his training and you look at how he does it on a hack squat, I dare you to anybody, you go do a, go do a like session with Mike Isretel and not say you came out of that absolutely wasted. Um, yeah. there's some of the most respectable guys in the industry and it works. It just depends on which training you totally like to do right? and something works for everybody. Um, yeah. but a lot of the guys you see, and uh, you mentioned DC training, uh, yeah, Dante's also one of the best, probably Jordan Peters calls him the best trainer of all time. Yeah. Yeah. He's Uh, incredible. DC training might be my, my, it's something I've looked at and I, it's so hard to understand, but once you understand it, then it's like, I've heard, like someone told me they did it and they said it was so easy once they did it. And I was like, Hmm. Um, It says a lot about
1: them. You know, it says a lot more about them. And, like, because the, 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 really the underlying component here is whether you use reps to preserve or you go to failure, like, the underlying component is always going to be intensity or yeah. a, a mental intensity output, I should say. Like, that's being specific. But.
0: Yeah, I think that's the huge part is getting to that. And I think that's something we share in common too with going back into our, like you said, your Grim Reaper on that Rep You Die shirt. Like, yeah. I finally hit that point the other day where, like, I was telling you when I beat all those PRs on Back Day around my pole like that's what came out i like was literally heavy ass breathing going into this barbell bent over row final set and i was like you're getting this fucking wet like wait like it's like you don't have a choice right i was telling my mind you don't have a choice and then it just decided to go back into all those bad memories and take it out and i just did it like it didn't even feel like a weight like you ever get to that point i never feel like like when i got there it felt like nothing Like it really felt like the bar. And I was. Yeah.
1: It's like, um, I always say this to my clients, like if I put a gun to your head and I was going to pull the trigger, could you do another rep? And the answer is always yes. Of course we want to live. Like, you know what I mean? Like It's it's, it's a loaded question really. But at the end of the day, like if there's a gun to your head and you had to get one more, more rep, you could do it. So do it, you know? That's what I, that's kind of how I try to translate that to my clients.
0: I always do. I always talk about this one story though, where I broke down my CNS so much. So I did a, so my first ever coach probably it's been about a year and a half now, like back to like two summers ago, I had my first coach and he, he prescribed me to go to 10 to of 10 on it. So basically, so failure, complete failure right. for ten reps on uh, bench press, and I was like, "Shit, I got to do ten rep max." So I put one eighty five on. Um, let's just say my my bench hasn't truly really increased that much since, and I'm not a big fan of flat barbell anymore for a reason. And I went to the yeah. ten reps, and I did it for two sets, I think two or three sets till failure. I literally couldn't work out the rest of the workout. Like that's what it (laughs) truly feels like. Like literally try to move up a 30 pound dumbbell on incline dumbbell to kind of just like give myself just a little warm up. Even though I didn't need it, I could barely even bench bench that doing that. I was like, yep. I was like, coach, sorry. Rest of the workout couldn't be completed. Went to those failure sets. I couldn't move.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And that's that's how it should be you know you look at like guys that train back in the day like dorian is one of those but dave palumbo is another where those guys you know after you get done doing your first set you really don't have to do that many warm-up reps you can jump almost right to your working set you might have to do work one but like stop wasting the energy stop burning the glycogen up that you need like because you need to again you need to store up the energy for the next set so stop wasting it if we can do it all in one set excuse me and like you know, get to failure. Once we hit failure, why do we have to go again? You already hit failure once, you know, you're already there. Why go back and redo it and rehash it? and Take that abuse on your central nervous system when we can become, you know, where we can then shut it down, go home, rest and rebuild, and then come back sooner and do it.
0: Yeah, no, I was like, that's crazy. I was like, my coach made me, my coach first of all, tried me to do five sets and I was like, okay I'm doing it for three I was like this ain't happening going to 10 RIR with right with that happening I was like I was just in my YMCA and I just, just, just the bars weren't great nothing was really there for me to take advantage of and I was just like nope so I was done but it's so interesting to hear about kind of rest pause sets because I never truly utilized those before mm-hmm. so I think once you mentioned them to me I'm definitely like, of course, once you mentioned I me and I was going to start implementing them, like, of course, all gyms get shut down. So I can't ever <laughs> test anything out right now. But I think it's finding, like I was saying, we're comparing RIR and train to failure. You got to find that point where you like to train. I think that's yes. the whole key that we're getting, trying to get across on this part is that even though we both like the failure aspect and we both look right. up to guys who all train to failure it's not always the best for people like right. that's,
1: not everyone can do it
0: yeah, yeah. like we're just crazy fuck-ups with a lot of things wrong with us in our minds that we that we shouldn't probably take our bodies there but we do because we love it um right and i think that kind of brings it into the next subject which is talking about the competitive field too um we know you're like you've been saying, you're a bodybuilder, pretty intense. You're at 200 some pounds of five foot seven. I'm five yeah. foot seven. I'm 170. I'm 170 pounds over here. Oh, so you man. got like you got, got quite
1: pounds on you, but yeah, you
0: yeah. got you got quite some you got quite some weight on me. Um, but I think there's kind of a lack of work work ethic in the competitive field. Um, yeah, you see all the time. But you see guys talk. But there's a few examples of people who have that work ethic, which is like people like James Hollingshead, like Luke Sandow, oh, yeah. like those, those absolute beast of guys. Like there's just a certain group of guys that are crazy. Like Nick yeah. Walker and them are crazy. They have crazy yeah. work ethic. Um, and I think it's kind of due to social media and yeah. it might be, and I kind of want to get into this with you because I think it's a huge role that people are playing. And I was hearing it on Foo at uh, Abby ads podcast. And yeah. he was talking about it, and he's like, Yeah, everybody just looks like everybody looks softer today yes. than they did yes. in the nineties. Like a lot of people in the think the nineties, like the nineties era to kind of like the early two thousands is like mm. the greatest era of bodybuilding. Yeah. Um and I think it is. I right. going back through, looking at it, my era kind of sucks. I think. I think these guys are too too soft. Um and I think people are not being 100% honest with their f- physiques and stuff like that. So kind of just want to get your touch on the lack of worth ethic mm-hmm. within the competitive field. Cause you also coach clients who are also competitors.
1: Yeah. So, you know, first the nineties was the greatest in terms of, Symmetry and proportions. um Today, it's getting better. Today, actually, much better today. Yeah, and like it's coming. You know, back. twenty twenty ten, it got a little distorted, and things were just not great because Ronnie put it into motion the you know bigger is better. Yeah, and then you got Jay, who's a mass monster, and everyone just kept following right. But the guys today at the top of the level are actually far more shredded than the guys in the nineties, excluding probably Doran because he was just freaky shredded. But here's why is because camera oh, lights one lighting back then was phenomenal. Yep. Like they really took the time to put on a show. They got the lighting perfectly, the tans perfectly and um, they kind of lack some of that production quality today. And the cameras were also lower, lower pixels. So you have a lower quality camera, you know how you like can on Instagram, you can make the, like the, the picture a little bit harder looking. Like
0: yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you can make oh, yourself look, setting. it's yeah. like saturation. You get saturated. You kind of make exactly. yourself look really shredded. Exactly.
1: <laughs> so with the poor, with a poor camera, you can actually like, it's just, it's just like oversaturating really. So the older cameras make the guys look a little bit harder than they were, but today they are, they are just fucking peeled out of their minds. However, at the amateur level, it is fucking atrocious. It's gotten so bad where the Arnold amateur this year, it looked like 80% of the people on that stage did not belong on a competitive stage.
0: Oh, it looked bad. I was watching it too. It looked bad.
1: It was really bad. And honestly, this is where I was like, you should have to qualify like top two at a regional or local show or a qualifier to compete at the Arnold, because this is, this is a shame because you're seeing people on an international stage competing on an international stage just to say they competed on an international stage, yeah. you know, and it's like, but you didn't even diet. Like you got smoked. Here's where I think a lot of people have gone wrong. I don't know if they lack the work ethic or they're just delusional in the fact that like, I think social media has pumped people full of ego <laughs> And you got your mom and your auntie on there. You got your best friends hyping you up and saying you look great. You're going to kill the competition. And you're like, fuck yeah, I am. I look great. Like everyone's telling me I look good, but no one's giving you the truth. No one's telling you your glutes are still six weeks out. No one's telling you that lower back fat has to go, you know, but then there's coaches like me that sit there and say, well, if you step on a stage like that, in my opinion, you're eight weeks out still, you know? And and, (laughs) you know, I get it. Sometimes people step on stage as like a goal. Like their goal is just to step on stage. Their goal is not to win. Just they want to get in shape to step on stage. And they have this massive weight loss goal. I've seen it before. And you know what? Congratulations to them. But those people don't come off stage crying because they didn't win. They know they're aware. Whereas like there's people that are literally coming out stage that look eight weeks out. They come off stage and they cry, not wondering why they're not getting first call outs. It's because you're eight weeks out still. And so people are learning now though. It's great when I see people go on stage and they fall flat on their face. Not that I want them to fall flat on the face, but it's a great learning experience because now they're starting to see what it takes to become a competitor and they go into their next show a little more prepared, still not as prepared as they should be, but more prepared. And you know, it kind of says something about the coaches too, because coaches are letting people get on stage looking like this. Yeah. When it dudes for me, I won't hesitate to say, hey, you need more time. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with needing more time. Let's just choose a different show and let's go at it. We didn't fail. We're just going to get more time to get better, you know? Because maybe somehow, some way along the line, like I have a ton of nurses that we're going to meet. Dude, I have like 20 something nurses that we're going to (laughs) meet. And so they're stressed all the time they lack oh, yeah. sleep they 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 work night shift their circadian rhythms all off and you know what sometimes we got to take it hey look we need another 2 weeks because we're just having a tougher time getting in shape because circadian rhythm is off That's our stress cortisol is making us a little bit off we're looking a little bit water we're not losing fat as quickly as we could be uh, as we should be so you know let's just take a little bit more time there's no wrong there's nothing wrong with saying that but for a coach to do that they have to take a blow to their ego you kind of got to take remove the ego and say look Okay, I did my job. I did it the best of my ability, but I need more time, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with saying that. But the hype on social media has gotten so, so outrageous now, where you know people just aren't telling the truth. They're afraid. They're afraid of telling the truth. And this comes back to our conversation in Lily part one. It all circles back around. People are so afraid to tell the truth because they're afraid of losing friends. They're afraid of losing followers. Like when in reality, if you're a competitor and I've had competitors do this, they come to me, they send me pictures. Like, what do you think? I'm two weeks out. I'm like, you, you look like you're five. You need another five weeks. And you know what? Some of them listen. Some of them follow me and block me. Some of them listen. I'm not, if you send me pictures, I'm not gonna lie to you. Like, I'm going to tell you 100% what I think, because it's not going to, it's not going to do you good. If I'm like, Oh, you're looking great, looking fantastic. And like you step up on, stage, you're like, well, Mark Thomas, I, I, I should have better. Like, you gotta be real with these people. Like be honest. If your friend still has fat on the back of her legs, or if your guy friend still has fat on their stomach, like tell them not to compete, do them a favor and say, Hey, look, you should take more time, you know? And that's not me being mean. Like I, cause I care cause I want to see people do good. I don't want to see people on stage looking out of shape because like one, it looks bad for our sport Two, like, you just wasted a bunch of time that you, you used to busting ass to diet down. Yeah. But I think people also have unrealistic I, I, I do see this quite often. People have unrealistic expectations of prep. They think it's going to be easy. And when it gets a little bit tough, you watch people crack. And I had this happen with a, a client where she started to crack like 10 weeks out. And I was like, look, I just laid the hammer. I was brutally honest. It's like, look, if you think this is hard, quit now. Pack your shit up and go home because I'm telling you, it's going to get much harder. When you're two weeks out and you're starving or really low on carbs or really low on energy and you still have to keep all all your day-to-day activities, you're going to want to quit every single hour of every single day. You're going to watch the clock to know when your next meal is. You'll know down to the minute because once you eat, you're going to be hungry again. It gets to the point where you're you're brutally hungry all the time and you have to be able to withstand the storm. You can't withstand the storm. Competing is not for you and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But man, like, and I don't know, sometimes it is a lack of work ethic and people just don't want to dig in the gym you see people post their working sets and like, look how much I did today. I'm like, yeah, but you could have got five more reps. So why didn't you get five more reps? Or look at my stage shot. They came in. Okay, well you need five more weeks. Why didn't you take five more weeks? And like, but sometimes, man, people just want the pictures for social media. It's all social media driven sometimes. I don't want to say all the time, just sometimes, just sometimes. And it, it don't get me wrong. It's pumped a ton of money into the sport, which is great for the people that really want to compete for the people that are winning money, but it's not good publicity.
0: Yeah. I think one of the best examples of people coming in prepared, um, do you watch the full Arnold? Like all like the pros compete, like all classic and everything. I,
1: I didn't. I just saw some of them. I have a hard time watching professional sports in general. Like I have, I have an extremely hard time doing it. Because in my mind, like, and this is going to sound stupid, but like, I want to be up there so bad that it like, it, it pains me to sit there and watch that. Like, I want to be there so badly. Yeah. You know, so I kind of have to just like watch after the fact.
0: Well, you look at some guy, well, you look at like some guy like Terrence Ruffin. Like, Terrence, give you solid, like, right. did, you, did you see the photos that he posted? Like, yes. he oh came God. in so grainy. Like, yeah. He looked back, incredible, man. I was like, like, yeah. Like, the photo made his back just look. Disgusting, like the amount of veins that was going through that, and like how, like just like it was all just muscle. There, there was like it didn't yeah. even look like there was skin. It was really just looked like it was muscle. Um, yep. I've never seen someone come in that great of shape before. Like to truly be honest, like watching, like this is my first year truly kind of just watching shows. <clears throat> I've never seen someone come in like that, and also his posing is just incredible too. Yeah, like his presentation is great. And I think that's um. I kind of want to get into that too, about since we're on the bodybuilding topic, uh, just kind of take a quick shortcut is I guess since you like, since you like classic, it's kind of like fitting the posing. I feel like mm-hmm. everybody always talks about just hitting a vacuum with classic and it's kind of really getting on my nerve because it's yeah. not just about hitting class. Like you got to have your proportions right to oh, get those yeah. poses on. And I think that's something that Terrence usually touches on. He's like, you have to manipulate your body in a certain way for a classic to even work for you. Like it's yes. like,
1: well, you like, have to be born with the genetics for classic. People yeah. don't get that. Is like, you literally cannot just be like, Hey, I'm a smaller bodybuilder. So I'm going to do classic. No, no, no. You legitimately have to have the bone structure for classic. And this goes for the same with the, uh, with the new division called wellness coming up. Yeah. If you don't have the bone structure for it, do not do it. It is not just a bigger bikini competitor. It is not just a little bit softer bikini compared with more muscle. No, 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 no. These women and these men in classic physique are genetically built for that particular division. Okay? You're looking at like wider clavicles. You're seeing like a more narrow, uh, for men, more narrow hips, narrow waist. You're seeing muscle bellies and insertion points are just much crisper. Their muscle bellies are rounder. Like the proportions are just phenomenal. If you don't have that, you just got to go to a different division. You know, you gotta, you gotta suck it up. And if you're a small bodybuilder with poor shape, don't even bother going to class You're getting smoked, you know, even no matter how in shape you are, you can be the most shredded on stage. They're going to score you low because your shape sucks. Yeah. And and I that's think- something we, we can't control that as coaches. Like I can't control your shape. And like, that's a lot of times I have to go to clients. i would say, look, this division is not for you, you know? And whether that's bikini or figure, or like I have a girl right now who like, she wants to do wellness so badly, but I think she's a figure competitor all day long. Just because of the muscle bellies and how the insertion points are placed, like it just looks – she looks like a figure girl, I and mean, she could be pro if she wanted to be.
0: Yeah, like look at – like like it's like the cool thing, like – yeah, like in your spare time, like practice those classic poses because, right. I mean, you may have to do a routine anyway, even if you just do bodybuilding. And hitting those poses aren't technically the worst thing to kind of hit if you want. But it's also like you just got to be real with yourself. But the classic poses are pretty cool to hit. Like I do them fairly often. But Mm -hmm. I also feel like I have a structure that works kind of well towards it. Like I don't have as like thin of a structure for men's physique because my hips are kind of a little wider. So it's Mm -hmm. like unfortunate. But man, I can make my waist look small as fuck using a doing a classic Arnold type pose. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah yeah man and that's why like even in my front double bicep man i hit a, I hit a vacuum you know
3: oh yeah um, i do too
1: yeah and but it looks better on me if in that particular pose it is my waist gets so much smaller when i do it um but i have the other proportions and other areas to support that however if my stomach looks better or my pose look better with an, a crunched look or flexed look or even extending where you extend the abdomen up by. By raising the sternum up, you know I would go with either or. It's just the vacuum doesn't make the bodybuilder. Like the vacuum is a nice tool to use here and there, and like if you want to practice the classic poses all the time, that's fine. But you better be damn good at your mandatories. Like if we're spent, if we're gonna divvy up our time here between you know posing with our routine and posing on our mandatories, ninety nine percent of the time spent on mandatories. Yeah. Because only your mom and your grandma that came to cheer you on and maybe your little girlfriend is going to care about your posing routine. Nobody else is going to give a shit. The posing or the, the judging is all done on mandatories. Man, you got to have those mandatories, be good at them, be able to stay in them and hold for a long period of time and make sure your diaphragm doesn't jump all over the place.
0: Yeah, and I think you have to hold it for like 10 seconds, right? Or something. That's like kind of like um, the usual, typical, right? But you have
1: to it, be. It varies.
0: But you could be up there for, you can be up doing a call out for 20 minutes. You could just be going through the different, like you may singularly be up there for a while.
1: Um, Maybe the longest, the longest I've ever seen was North Americans in 2019, the light heavyweight division. There was a ton of fucking guys and they were all really fucking good. And they were up there for, I want to say, if even the 1st callouts were up there for like eight minutes. And that's the longest I've ever seen. It was like eight to 10 minutes they were up there for. That was the first call-outs. Then second call-outs. And some of the first guys in the first got bumped over to the second (laughs) call-outs. Oh, dude, they were up there for so long. The tans were running off of them. And it was crazy, man. But most of the time, you know, people, you should probably be expected to be up there for a couple minutes. It's not going to be that long at like a regional show. At a national show, you're going to be up there much longer. But I I say whatever time you're preparing to be up there for, prepare, multiply that by four. So if you're preparing to be up there for four minutes, well, prepare for 16 minutes. And then, and I like to put my, all my clients through conditioning posing, you know, if they're in classic or bodybuilding or figure women's physique or whatever they might be, or men's physique, I say, Hey, let's practice conditioning posing where we hold mandatories for X amount of, you know, X amount of seconds. And then we go into our next mandatory hold, you hit all your mandatories and then you break for 30 seconds. And then eventually as you get better at more conditioning posing, you pull out that rest period. And then you're going for like 16 minutes straight in your head, but hold poses. Your transitions are crisp. You're holding your you're holding your waist tight. You're not letting it flop out. There's a bunch of things that you do to prepare for that.
0: Yeah, I think that brings us back kind of to the point about the uh, the softer physiques. I think that's been a problem, but it's kind of being addressed as classic is getting more popular. Is yes. that a lot of the open guys are starting to get back to that smaller waist, less distended type look, which I'm fairly interested to see what's going to happen within the next few years over who's going to kind of look at it. Because Antoine from, um, Antoine from Canada, dude, he looks, that look was like what he posted when Australia, when on Australia got canceled was just insane. Like he, he looks like his waist looks like there's nothing there. And I was so excited to kind of live stream that and watch that. And mm-hmm. kind of see what what package he was going to bring because we haven't seen him on stage in forever, and I think it's getting really interesting because I think that whole thing where Phil lost to Sean was kind of a big turnaround point because Phil's was. stomach was absolutely distended that whole posing that whole time. Yeah, when the, doing he had methods. a hernia. Yeah. yeah,
1: he had a hernia that year. Yeah, and yeah, it was it was it was hard to control his abdomen. Yeah, and so he had to kind of fight through that the whole time.
0: Yeah. That's really, that's really difficult to do. Um, so yeah, I forgot that he had the hernia. Thanks for reminding me. Cause yeah, I don't want to yeah. trash on Phil cause Phil's one of the best to ever do Dude, it. Uh, phenomenal. Yeah. Genetically, they call him the gift for a reason. Um, yeah, right.
1: exactly. Yeah. Those muscle bellies are insane.
0: And a lot of people, and I think actually Phil Heath brings up a good point where, uh, kind of the myth of steroids. Um, yeah. People always assume more is necessary. I know. Mm-hmm. I don't take them. I'm natural, as you could tell. I mean, I'm 70 pounds lighter than you. <laughs> um, if I stepped on stage, it'd probably be at like 130 pounds. Get right, right. Um, but if you look at Phil, genetically gifted. Um, these okay. guys go into their first few shows and they win just based on naturally whatever their muscle bows carry, which is probably the greatest genetically gifted people of all time right. <laughs> winning these shows, and. I hate this cause I love people who are honest about taking steroids is that when they're honest about taking steroids, it's a lot less than people think it is.
2: Yeah. Like, yeah.
0: Yeah. And some people do kind of give away what they take and some people don't, it just depends how clear you are on mm. what you kind of want to be. Um, yeah, i I don't like when people give away their steroid kind of things just because, unless, right, like, unless it's in a private forum, just because what works for you might not work for someone else. But right. I kind of want you to go into it because I feel like never more is more, I feel like is never necessary all the time. Right. Because um, right. a lot of people just need the right dosage and that will get it done.
1: You know, it's not even sometimes the right dosage because like any dosage will do. if we're taking anabolics and we're, you know, going above and beyond and getting into the realm of super physiological dosages, literally, let's say, you know, it takes 200 milligrams of testosterone, uh, testosterone, sip, hold on, my phone is on 20%. No. Just that. Yeah. So anyways, if you're taking 200 milligrams of test sip and that, that elevates you to the levels of let's call it let's testosterone replacement therapy. And your test is, uh, whatever you're dosing at in, in terms of pacing, you know, per week or every two weeks or whatever it might be by, you know, by your doctor, let's say that puts your test levels at around like seven to 800, right. Which is, that's the higher dosage of, of higher end of normal. Okay, so then let's go into super physiological dosages. So that means if we're going to take two hundred and fifty <laughs> or three hundred a week, we're in the super physiological doses. It means we're above and beyond what we actually need or our bodies produce. So these people on fifteen hundred milligrams of test or a thousand a gram of test a week, mind boggling to me, dude. Those dosages are so foreign to me that like you don't need to do that. And then you're going to throw other things like NPP or you're going know, to throw DECA, you're going know, to throw Trend on top of that. And there's people running six hundred milligrams of Trend out there. What? How? How? Like mentally, how do you even handle that? Because I'm telling you, there's a lot of people that would come down with literally uh, psychological issues from Trent, you know, because it just depends on what you're susceptible to. Yeah. But in the terms of drugs, more is not better. What you need to do is start as low as you possibly can go and get the effects that you want. You know, the peripheral tissue effects, making sure that those are on par with what you need at a certain time or raising your antigens to a certain level of where you're going to gain muscle, but it comes down to diet, sleep, training, those three. Yeah, exactly. you, you got to have those three. Here's the issue with doing high dosage is that you have to understand that there's a toxicity to these drugs, that whether they're and they're toxic to your liver, or it just makes your body work harder, and, and get, get too much testosterone is toxic to a certain extent adding too many androgens of any sort is toxic. This is making your body work harder. Okay. It has to work harder to clean itself to clean. It's working harder to digest more nutrients on top because you're adding more nutrients. It's working harder to uh, recover from training. It's trying to, you know, all those things are adding up. And now we're looking at this puzzle that's overly complicating your body's working way too hard. Okay. There's ways. And I'll tell you right now, there's ways to increase binding affinity of androgens. If, we want to get into this and look at like, okay, we can stay with low dosage. Why don't you just add L-carnitine, injectable L-carnitine in, which increasing binding affinity. I made a post on the L-carnitine. Yeah, I went into the depths of, of what it does and the benefits it has. It's not just about fatty acid transport or glucose uptake, glucose metabolism. It does so much more than that and in increasing the binding affinity of steroids. So they're going to be more effective at smaller dosages. Like you have to find ways to make smaller dosages more potent, instead of going more dosages, like upping the dosages, because there's going to be a point where you're going to be taking so much and health markers are going to be going to shit. And so it's so important to get, I have to note, it is so important to get blood work done when you're using Mm androgens and and monitoring what's happening in your body and being sure that you are staying healthy while doing this, because there is a definite risk to steroids. I'm not going to say that steroids killed anybody. I, I firmly believe that there are the other things that come with steroids that people do kills people. You know, saying that androgens killed people and that was the sole reason is like, I I don't even know. I don't even know what to compare it to. Like, I just think it's a, I think it's a kind of a, it's a poor way to put things. That's not saying androgens aren't dangerous because they are, but you're not, you're not doing yourself a favor by you running high dosages and not checking your blood work. You, you got to mitigate those risks. So mitigating yep. those risks would be, you know, making sure you're healthy, taking the proper health supplements on top of what you need, whether that's protecting the kidneys, protecting your liver, uh, protecting your heart, monitoring cholesterol and managing that and whatever comes, everything that comes with that. We can go on and on here. It is so important to make the most out of each dose. Okay. Starting low, Make the most out of it. So that means if I'm going to make the most out of, let's say, 300 milligrams of test sip a week, which is a, is a smaller dose, but let me tell you, you can make a lot happen out of that dosage. I don't care what anybody says. Um, and that may, now again, I'm not talking about abusing steroids here because if you're abusing, we're hopping into a whole different conversation. When you're running 300 milligrams of test sip, there's things that we can be doing to maximize. All the effects of that of that testosterone, okay, and and we got to be able to manage those health markers along with that. So, more is just not better. Just thinking that, like, here's the problem is people start plateauing a little bit, and they're they jump to the first thing that's the easiest to change well, let's just increase my testosterone. Let's just throw in NPP. Let's just throw in a little bit of tread. You know, let's throw in, There's so many different drugs out there now. Let's <laughs> throw in some superdrol. Let's throw in some, some Anadrol or d or whatever you want to put in there. I don't care. People always jump to that first. People yeah. need to take a step back, go, okay, what else can I change to break this plateau? What is happening? Look at the biofeedback that's being presented to you. Could you be sleeping better? Could you be managing stress better? Because if you if you manage stress better, you're going to grow much quicker. Oh, yeah. You know? If, could you be, could you be training a little bit less and like harping on grow days a little bit better, you know what I mean? Instead of rest days, grow days, you know what I mean? So, or could you just eat more? Could we increase our carbohydrates? Could we increase our protein? Is our digestion on point? Are we digesting and absorbing nutrients properly? You know, how's our gut microbiome? How's that gut environment? These are all things that we could be looking at. To And again, there's, there's more. Those are just things, a few things that you can be looking at instead of more drugs because let me tell you more drugs is just not the answer, man. Here's what, here's what people do is they in prep, especially because there's a lot of drugs involved with prep Yeah, is they get to the show and progressively as the weeks go on, they increase their dosages just based on like what week is, Oh, it's six weeks out. Time to increase my winstrel to 50 milligrams. Oh, it's four weeks out. Time to increase my winstrel to 75 milligrams. Oh, it's two weeks out or it's peak week. I'm going to increase my winstrel to one, you know, uh, 100 milligrams. It's like, Dude, first off, your dosages are dependent on biofeedback and how you look, right? This should always be based on that. The problem is, is people just keep increasing their dosages, think they're going to look better, they're going to look harder, they're going to look drier, they're going to be fuller. What is up happening is becomes such a toxic environment, that they end up looking worse.
0: Mm. It's actually interesting. Um, I want to get your view on this. How long, how long before, I think people should know this. It's like, they said some Fuwa was like, once he hits like, if you can't make changes on like 500 milligrams of test, then you really shouldn't be bodybuilding. Like that's <laughs> that he was saying. He was,
1: they were I all. I what he's saying running. though. Yeah,
0: he was like, if you can't make changes just off that, you shouldn't be bodybuilding. But I want to get your view on switching from going from natural to unnatural, because mm. um, I think that's a big key point is making that decision to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that takes time. Um, yeah. years, uh, kind of want to yeah. get like your decision on how, how someone truly decides to kind of go from natural to unnatural. Like, does it like how many years do you need to be training? Like, does mm-hmm. it need to be based off their muscle density or is it how many years they've been training and where they're at to that? All To of it. make that. All fitness? of it. Okay.
1: Yeah. You know, there's not like a certain point. Like I hit four years of training. I'm like, Oh, in the steroids, you know, it was like for people. What it should be focused on is like, okay, what am I trying to achieve? And let's be realistic about our goals because I have people that come to me that are so far unrealistic. Like, I want to be an IFE pro, but I want to do it naturally. I'm like, okay, well, number one, that's not going to happen. Let's go ahead. And- like, no, number two, like, let's get realistic because, you know, everyone at the top level, uh, IVB Pro, is taking drugs. And that goes for the women, too. You know, people say that's not true. Well, uh, actually, I know it's true. Like, you know what I mean? I've, I've worked with some people at the top level and I understand, like, I know what type of drugs yeah. they're taking. And honestly, it's not always high dosages. It might be just a little bit, like, even five milligrams of Anavar for a woman will just have yeah. tremendous benefits in terms of, like, the overall look on stage. Okay. Uh, but, what you should be doing is you got to make sure everything's in order first before you go to transition to the enhanced route. And you have to have a realistic view of what your body is capable of. You know, do you have the structure of a potential IFBB pro? Is it something that's going to be, that's going to make you money in the future? If your answer is no, and you don't think you have the structure, if you don't think, and I'm not trying to deter anybody from chasing their dreams. Yeah. I don't, don't want to do that, but I want people to be super realistic because you are jeopardizing your health to an extent when you make this leap, you know, and a lot, a lot of times people make the leap without proper guidance and they just start sticking stuff in because the local gym bro said, yeah, I take this much. I take this much. And so they're taking that much. It's like, Oh shit. Like you did, you did no research, you know, nothing. You don't have anybody guiding you. So we need to be sleeping properly, obviously. We need that eight hours, at least eight hours a night, you know, seven, eight hours. you got to have a diet in place. And we got to have that diet in place for a long time. we got to be pushing the, pushing the actual um, boundaries of that diet. Are we upping our carbohydrates? Are we doing things properly to, to increase metabolic output? Um, and then you start looking at training. Are we training properly? Are we training with proper intensity? And comes back to our conversation up till you die. You know, not that you have to do it that way, but are you, are you actually reaching peak intensity? And, you know, are you, are your supplements in order? Are you doing everything that you need to be doing before you make that step? Yeah. And, and it, you know, some people, and, and then we go, okay, well, how long have you been doing that for? Well, I've been doing it for eight months. That's not long enough. Cause like even people on steroids, they can't gain muscle that fast. I was super lucky to gain 15 pounds in a stage weight in a year, dude. But I live like a monk. I don't go out. I don't go out with my friends. Yeah. I don't drink a sip of alcohol. I don't deviate from my program. Once I never cheat on a meal. I don't have cheat meals unless I'm told I don't ever miss meals. I am on the ball all the time. You know what I mean? So for me to do what I did was, uh, unheard of, you know, not a lot of people achieve that. Yeah. So you gotta have really realistic expectations. And I always say people should compete at least once before they make the leap, you know, Now there's some people that are just diehard and dead serious and they love the sport and they go, no matter what, like I want to do it. Okay. Even if I don't have the best genetics and it's really hard to actually predict genetic potential from a person that's never competed before. Yeah. Are there first timers that can take service? Of course, you know, of course I'm not going to, I don't want to ever deter somebody from uh, going after what they want. There's just going to be people that are going to be hungry as shit, but if you're going to use them, find somebody that knows what they're doing and use them conservatively and responsibly. You know, cause you're not going to be able to tell those people don't use them because they'll just go somewhere else and use them.
0: Yeah. They're going to wait for, they're going to find that coach that they're going to pay. And the coach knows that they're working for them. And they're going to find that yep. non honest coach. That's going to be like, yeah, pure, go ahead. Let's do you it. You got it. And,
1: and they're going to run, they're going to run them at high dosages all in the name of progress. Because if they make that person progress, then they can advertise that on social media and get more clientele. Yeah. Right. Which, Dude, I'll, I'll be honest right now most of my clients are natural for a reason yeah, because they just, they haven't been in the game long enough to use. And like, there are a few that do use and, and, um, you know, we're just so conservative, man. I'm so careful because it's, it is a, it's a, it's a dangerous game.
0: It's a touchy, you know? it's a touchy thing to play with someone's, that's a big yeah. health marker, like you were saying. And I think it's also kind of a kind of a cool discussion to kind of have where it's like sticking I guess sticking with the coach. I think that's one thing I didn't get to ask you in the last mm-hmm. part. Um, the importance of sticking, uh, this will be kind of our last subject here. Uh, the importance of sticking with a coach for like more than like a certain period of time for more time than necessary. Like, I think there's yeah. always like I'm with my coach for eight months. Like next coach I want to be with is going to be two plus years. Like, that's like my big decision. That's why I'm saying it's such a big decision because I know what it takes and it takes a while for someone to learn your body, number one. So I kind of want to get your decision on how, on like, why it's so important to stick with the coach for longer than even say just a prep, like even one prep, like 12, whatever, 12 to 16 weeks that people normally think it is, but sticking with them through like a whole year or two year period.
1: Yeah. So like I won't even accept a client on, I want to have them come on board if they aren't willing to do an off season with me first. Um, and that has nothing to do with money in my pocket. It has everything to do with me understanding biofeedback from each individual variable. We insert, we plug and pull, we play around, we find out what their intolerances are to food, what they digest the best. Where do you, you know, How do you perform on X, Y, Z in terms of uh, sources of food? You know, where do you, where, what's the greatest performance output we can get from, let's say cream of rice and fruit, you know, cause fructose and a carbohydrate source are going to be better and, and more you know, digestible and that's going to have greater performance output, you know? And, and so we just, we kind of dig through all these things. Of what do you, what causes bloating? How do you digest red meat? How are you with dairy? How are you, are you having any food out? You know, so you start learning all these things about clients and you learn how they respond to particular exercises. And not only particular exercises and how they feel the exercise, but also how do you respond to the style of training? Because not everyone on my on my squad is on, is not until they die. There's some yeah. people, their central nervous system can't handle it, you know? And so I have to tone it back for them and change. So I like to learn. I like to really uh, look at a client for a long period of time and understand what exactly affects them. So that way, when we get into prep, dude, it's, it's like clockwork. We know everything. We've already been through it. Don't get me wrong. Is there stuff we're going to learn in prep? Absolutely. But like, don't go one show with a client or one show with a coach and say, Oh, well, I didn't win. So I'm going somewhere else. Okay, we can't control who shows up to a show. Okay, but if, if your coach brought you in better than you were last time, you should probably stay with that coach, because you're only getting better from there. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, if you're getting worse than last time, well, then there's a red, there's a couple red flags that you should probably saw prior to this, you know what I mean? But now nah, this is a definite red flag. But man, I mean, so most of my clients have been with me since the beginning, since when they started, they haven't left, you know, and that's great. I, I love it because that way we build, we build this relationship. We build this bond Not only that, then we work better together Yeah, and we're progressing so much faster. Um, and when they, and that trust is built up, a client will progress so much quicker because they're just dude. my clients don't even question me anymore. They may ask me and ask, ask me, you know, why I'm doing something and I'll educate them, <clears throat> but Dude, they don't even question me anymore. They have full faith, you know, and that's, that's a big deal that to develop that bond is going to be the primary, uh, variable of success because once, like if my coach says to do something, I'm going to do it, not even ask questions, you know?
0: Yeah. I think those are the best, those are the best types of clients. I think too, are those that don't ask questions. They just do like, like Justin was, like Justin was saying, they're the cleaner, they yeah, just don't, they, they just don't care. They don't, they'll get the shit done when it needs to get done and how it, how you say it needs to get done. Like they'll yeah. do what they need to do and they'll see the results.
1: Yeah. And I have clients that don't even want to know their macros that I don't care. I don't know. Just tell me what to eat, when to eat it and let's do this. Like, <laughs> say no more. Like let's get done. And, you, and you know what? They're the ones that are pros now. They're the ones that are going to become pro this year. So it, there's this, there's this. Correlation. And it's clear. It's clear as day. The people that don't question me and just say, Hey, just give me tell me what I need to do and I'll do it. They're the winners. They're the cleaners. That's that. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, so last question kind of just to wrap this up. Uh where do you where do you kind of see yourself going in the industry? I think this is a big one for you. Um, you're heading into <clears throat> kind of I guess your biggest year coaching as well as yeah. you're gonna be heading into probably your biggest year also competing, hopefully. Um, yeah. after your off season, I don't know how long you're taking off. So
1: I'm not going to compete till, uh, May of 2021. So 2021. I'm going to take all of 20. Yeah. So you're heading so into I your
0: biggest, so you're heading into your biggest year, probably. Cause yeah. your pipe's going to begin sometime in January. I'm going to assume. Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but
1: yeah, man, for, as far as like, just looking at the body bodybuilding perspective, um, becoming an year pro is going to be awesome, man. That's the goal. You know what I mean? That's yeah. the goal for everyone but that's not the defining factor of like me as a bodybuilder because bodybuilding has become so much more. It's become now it's Tom train LLC. You know, it's, it, it led me to this family that I created and has developed over time. It's been incredible. So bodybuilding is kind of a, not, it's not on the back burner cause I'm always doing it. I'm always, like I said, I live that monk life lifestyle. It's bodybuilding centric all the time, even during COVID-19, man, I'm still grinding. Yeah. I'm still <laughs> at the gym every day or, or when I need to be. Um, so, you know, what's coming for me in bodybuilding is hopefully well, ho- hopefully the size really pays off and I think my frame is really going to fill out and it's going to be it's going to be something awesome. I'm starting to see my genetic shape come through as I add more size. I'm like, man, I really see potential <laughs> here. Like I'm I'm really seeing I'm, I see it in my progress pictures. I'm like it's there. Like I know it's there. You know, it's, it's just a matter of time. I got to got to stay on the gas, got to keep building size. I got to take all of 2020 off. I got to be bigger, you know. Yeah, But, you know, so kind of bodybuilding is off to the side, really. So now it's just focusing on other people. And that's my team that I've grown and the coaches that I've brought on board. Um, you know, we got Keely and we have Thomas. Um, and now we have Haley, who's the yoga instructor, the online yoga instructor. So we've just been growing, adding people. And what I do is I pick out people that, one, I can trust, that just have these certain qualities and their personality that I look for. But not only that, I look for people that can do the things that I can. You know, I'm looking for people that have the answers because I don't have all the answers. You know, I'm not, am I, do I know every single thing? No. That's why I study. That's why I ravenously consume content every day because I'm just, I want to learn, you know what I mean? It's that on fire, black hole type yeah. scenario still. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I think this year, I think we have a great chance to have a couple IFB IFBB pros to this squad uh, in terms of like them earning their pro Ooh, card.
0: That'd be interesting. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. Yeah. So I think we have a shot at a couple of those. Um, you know, one being Keely, who was one point away in North Americans last year. um, I mean, we're looking for this year. I actually, I told her, I was like, I want, and I set the bar really high for her because I just have these expectations that are so um, outrageous for her. I'm like, look, I want an IFBB pro card for you. And I want an Olympia qualification. I want to go to the 2020 Olympia. Like, that's what I want. (laughs) And she's like, she's like, I'll get it done. I was like, cool. Like not even, there wasn't even a (laughs) hesitation in her mind. It was just like, I'm just going to get it done. I was like, oh, fuck yeah. And then we got Yasmin with her, first, with her pro debut in Sacramento this year, uh, the WNBF. She's a natural competitor, natural figure pro. So we're looking for a pro win, you know, uh, right out of the gates. She has an incredible structure, incredible physique, incredible work ethic. It's going to go, I think it's going to go well. So I'll be flying out Sacramento with her. We got a lot of first timers, a lot of rookies coming out this year. I want them to make some noise. I think one of them um, has pro potential within the first year. Um, oh,
0: shit. That's a yeah, man. That's a big thing to say.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know, I know it is. But like, I just have I just have such faith in these people. Like, they're yeah. they're not only do I, I love them like family, but I just have faith in them. Um, and we got a couple additions this year from other coaches that came over, and I think they have some pro potential too. And I'm really excited to add the necessary size with them this kind of this spring, which we're kind of held up right now. But it's not like we can't get it done still, and then compete in the fall. I think I think we'll be fine. Um, So lots of big things, as far as like making the team bigger, you know, that's why I added these coaches, I added these coaches so we can bring on more people and we can have all of our bases covered because like, I can't always coach everyone. You know what I mean? I'm limited on time, but at the same time, when people come to me, they're not only working with just my assistant coach, like I'm in the process too. I'm involved in the process too yeah so they they get instead of one coach they get three you know as of right now there's going to be more in the future which is cool (laughs) um so that's kind of where my head's at man it's it's just growing expanding influence and growing this family taking on more endeavors being part of iron intellect which is really cool i'm excited to get on there and keep producing content i'm just i gotta finish up some stuff here for the next you know this month upcoming month but it's just more more of everything Yes, it's all i want the hunger never stops
0: so. Oh, trust me! I think we're in the same boat. Uh, yeah, I have a goal yeah. with what I want to do with this podcast. The goal with my coaching by the end of 2020, and hopefully, I'll hit that. Hopefully, I'll hit those goals. They're kind of right. secret from not too many people. I don't like to speak my goals out like I do to myself. But other than that, yeah. I like to keep them to myself and yeah. get a little thumbs up to myself once I achieve them. So,
2: yeah, absolutely.
0: People will know once I, once I hit the goal that I'm looking at hitting with the podcast because it will happen one day. Yeah. so
2: yeah,
0: when it gets there, uh, it gets there. But uh, first, just want to thank you for coming on. Absolutely. Um, this has been probably the longest conversation we've I've ever <laughs> had uh, This is almost two hours guys that we Sweet. recorded for. Um, I asked the same three uh, I asked the same three questions if you listened to any of my episodes before at the end. Um, every single guest goes through this. So first question is, um, this is going to be really tough for you kind of, cause we talked about a lot. <laughs> um, what three things, uh, do you want people to leave with? Like just either from you, just in general or from what we talked about in the podcast.
1: Yeah. Um, one follow what you love, you know, um, that's important. That's the most important is like, whatever it is, whatever job you're at now, if it's not what you love, like find a way to quit that shit. And go after what you want because that's going to make your life entirely more desirable. Uh, two, um, don't give a fuck about what people think. That's going to be really important. Again, just be you. Um, don't be afraid of being honest and putting yourself out there and worrying about what other people are going to think. Because if they don't like it, like then they weren't meant for you anyways, right? And then the third thing is, um, man, rub till you die. Like I gotta keep (laughs) reaching that because I'm telling you, it's so satisfying once you reach that that rep to die point where you're like, dude, I'm my body's capable of incredible things. You know, I I am. You almost feel invincible after you've done after a set like that. Like you're just so amped up with adrenaline, like ready to rock. Like it's a satisfying feeling. You know, you just reach a new level of you.
0: Yeah, that's that's my that's the one I'm gonna take away the most from this whole thing is. Kind of your energy that you have towards that type of training yeah. is what now I need to look at bringing. So, gonna up my game whenever we get the gyms back. Pray to God it's by the beginning of May, but probably won't I be. Think but so. I, I hope so, man. I hope so for you guys. <laughs> I really pull it because I know my clients are dying. I'm waiting. I'm waiting to get whenever I get whenever I get the gym back is when I'm gonna get my next coach. Just because yeah. that's where I'm gonna give my time some. Ah. My freaking mic just keeps falling everywhere. (laughs) Kind of have a different time when uh, I can just have a coach, and I know I'm going to progress in the gym. So yeah, but I'll rep basically I'll rep till failure every time I'm doing a body weight exercise.
1: (laughs) Hey man, it's all about stimulus. No, don't care what the weight is. Just just bring the stimulus.
0: Yeah. Um, The second question is: uh, What three books? And or podcasts would you recommend everybody either read or listen to? If you Oh man.
1: Um one that helped me really develop as a person was the MFCEO project in terms of podcasts. Um that's something that and that's by Andy Fisella. Yeah. That really helped me tremendously um in terms of personal development and, and forming a more business like mindset, more relentless mindset. Um, Got to give a shout out to Justin His podcast, Grow Die podcast He's putting out great content uh, He's really done an incredible thing there um, And then the book Law of Attraction I forget who that's written by But Law of Attraction is something that um, I don't want to call it a study But read up on it for a long time And truly believe in And it's not like some voodoo Suspicious bullshit Like it's truly like I have to be careful now What I think about Because I'll attract it to the point where, like, I have to be careful about how, uh, thinking about like too far in the future. That's why when people ask me, like, where do you see your team go, I have to be careful because if I think too far ahead, it's going to come now, and I'm not going to be prepared. So <laughs> I have to take things <laughs> in, in smaller steps, and digestible bites, or else I'll think too far ahead, and that'll come to me, and I'll just I'll be unprepared. And I, I want to make the root moves at the right you know, the right time. Yeah. Um, so, but the law of attraction, dude that that who changed my life.
0: Yeah, that has, that's been a huge effect, as you could probably tell by having a conversation with you. That it's probably had a huge effect on my life, um, at least in the past eight months. Um, so those are definitely, I've I listened to both those podcasts. I've not read that book. So a lot of books on here. I have so many books from people that I have to read. <laughs> it's like a never-ending list now. I'm like, yeah. well, I have a lot of time to do a bunch of nothing right now. So just going to be done, doing a bunch of reading. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Pick it up well, on the, it.
1: The law of attraction is a short read actually. And I wish I knew who wrote it because it is a really good book. I have it somewhere. I don't know if it's on my bookshelf or what, but it's a good one.
0: Yeah. Um, last one time for you to shamelessly plug yourself. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, mm-hmm. If they want training, um, advice, anything, basically anywhere people can find you, anything you want to shout out or anything, your cool. time to shine.
1: Um, first and foremost, you can find me on Instagram at the Megatron underscore. You can find me there. We're uh, at Twitter uh, at Tom trained those are the two platforms I really operate on. Even when it comes to coaching and stuff like I operate mainly on Instagram. So if you want to shoot me a DM or you can email me at Dominic at gmail.com. I'll answer pretty quickly there. Uh, in terms of sponsors, I got a shout out Metaform, and I got a shout out Bambell, um, Bambell being, um, a bar specific bar. I use the Rhino flex and the earthquake bar and the Metaform is site enhancement. Uh, both incredible companies, both well proven that they work and both have provided me tremendous benefits in terms of my bodybuilding career. So other than that, man, um, nothing much to, to really promote other than that.
0: All right. Well, um, this has been the end of uh part two guys. Uh, thank you for listening to this whole saga with Mark, with uh market seems like, um, <laughs> felt like it went on forever at least for us so hope you guys enjoyed and definitely go give him a follow and if you're really interested in coaching the past two episodes have been a great reason why he's either a good coach or go to justin too because they're two of the Mm -hmm. best when it comes to training and producing actual results if you want to become the best so um, thank you again mark so much for coming on thank you I appreciate it, man. Um, Really appreciate you taking the time out, especially to record all this. So, um, thanks again, guys. And thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of the Ace of Spada podcast. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Ace of Spada podcast. If you guys enjoyed this episode, I ask for a quick favor of you screenshot you listening to this episode and share it on your Instagram story. It's the best way that we can get this podcast out to as many people, and it's how I will grow. So everybody, I appreciate you listening, and can't wait for you guys to listen to the next episode.